Lukas Dostal looking spectacular in net, both at Coachella Valley and in Laval, Quebec. We'll talk about all of that on this edition of Locked On Goals. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez. Been covering minor league hockey for well over a decade. And as you can see, I have a little Firebirds flag up there. Also doing public address for the Coachella Valley Firebirds. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. Oh, excuse me. All right. So this is going to be pretty much all about Lukash Dostal on this episode because he had himself quite a four-day stretch over the last weekend. Two of those I happen to be present for because the San Diego Goals played not one, but two games at Coachella Valley Spoiler alert, they were both losses, but they were not all his fault, not by a long shot. In fact, one of those games, if it wasn't for Lukash Dostal, it would have been no points over the weekend. Well, actually, it was no points. It would have been it would have been a blowout. One of those games. So we're going to start with the game last Friday at Acrisure Arena. In Palm Desert, California, home of the Coachella Valley Firebirds. San Diego went into that game looking, well, uh, how could I say this? Looking pretty miserable. Because they just came off of a bad loss against the Abbey Canucks. L- little reminder, Abbotsford destroyed San Diego 6-1 to at the end of our last Locked On Goals. And in fact, that gave them their third consecutive loss. So could they go into the All-Star break with maybe at least one victory? Last Friday, I would say all indications are San Diego is not going to win. They're going to get slaughtered. In fact, I even made a prediction the previous podcast saying that Coachella was going to win both games. Sarah made me give scores on one of them. I said that Erickson Eck would start, and it would be something like 8-1. to one. <laughs> Well, we'll get to that. This one featured Joey Decord and Lukash Dostal in net. Decord is good. He's quite good. Dostal, I think, is a little bit better, but he's also got no defense in front of him. Pretty much none at all. Before I get to the game itself, just a little bit of an update that I couldn't really talk about much before, but now I can. So it was reported that a certain captain for the goals was seen skating again, wearing the no-contact jersey, wearing the red jersey. I can confirm that, that he was out there practicing. I'll talk more about that in the second segment. So for this game, we still had the regular depleted lines for the San Diego goals. You still had Kindop. Um, you had Weinger in there. You had um, Travis Howell in there. You know, a lot of guys that normally would not be on your lineup. But, you know, that's what San Diego had to roll with. Coachella Valley, 
still has their all-stars. They had Captain Max in there. They had Riker Evans in there. You know, that team is stacked with talent. And might I add, Coachella Valley has only lost one regulation game at their time at Akershire Arena. One. I wasn't doing PA for them. (laughs) So every game that I've done, they've won or went into a shootout loss. Yeah. So it colored me surprised when I saw that San Diego was kind of in the game in that first period. In fact, San Diego played one of their strongest first periods that I've seen in about two weeks. Yeah, they looked strong. Hunter Drew, with a sweet power play goal, just passed Decord. This was after Riker Evans scored his fourth of the season. But I want to get back to that power play. I know there was a video out for Calder Farmstead talking about the penalty killing for the goals. And that that was something that they had improved on. Well, the same can be said for the power play. The power play is starting to look a little bit better. The power play is starting to have a little bit more structure to it. Something that had been missing from San Diego for the better part of a month. So maybe, maybe this is a good sign. Maybe this is kind of the turnaround point for San Diego. Because while they did get their chances, good to see them just pull through. Now, granted, this one actually led to another penalty afterwards. Petro Sapola got called for holding. 10 seconds in, perfect passing, perfect face-off victory, perfect passing all around. Delzado to God to Godin to Hunter Drew. Easy goal. Right before that goal was scored, there was a slashing call against Alexander True. Slashing was that was a bad one by True. Took apart a stick. So San Diego not only scored on the power play, but they drew a penalty in the process. Now they didn't score on that priest or that proceeding power play, but it still looked good. And even in the second period, both teams actually played some competent defense. I was actually beginning to count some of the block shots that San Diego was making. Something that we haven't seen a whole lot of, if you can believe that. After two periods, ready for this? Shots were 21 to 20 in favor of the Firebirds. San Diego hadn't been that close in a while, but like most goals games, they just ran out of gas. After playing virtually a pretty solid 50 minutes of hockey where they were for they were forechecking strong on this game this was a winnable game for the San Diego goals if there was one game that would have been like a turning point for San Diego if there was any game that could have been like a hallmark victory for the San Diego goals that was it and as I'm watching this game, I'm watching there's about 10 minutes left, then 8 minutes, then 7 minutes. I'm thinking in my head, I'm getting ready for overtime. San Diego might actually get a point against the Firebirds. If you had told me last week that San Diego would get even one point on these guys, I would have said you're effing crazy. But it was getting close. Even during that last media timeout, I'm reading my copy, I'm looking over it, and... I can confirm this with my producer. 
but she saw me turning the page, getting the overtime ready. And I usually do like a three stars on one side, three on the other. I was writing three stars on both sides because I was anticipating overtime. I legit was getting ready because San Diego was playing just so strong. They were drawing penalties. The one thing I did not like was that little bit of a little bit of rough stuff between Hunter Drew and Max McCormick. And they were not too pleased with each other in the box. And what what made it even weirder was for the first time in my time at Coachella Valley, I had to call an embellishment. So Glenn Godden hooked Brogan Rafferty, but Rafferty kind of dove a little bit. So instead of the Firebirds going on the power play, it was a four on four. Because Brogan Rafferty had to had to embellish. That was the one time, or the first time that I've been there, that the crowd actually booed me because of a call I made. Look, don't blame the messenger. It was, I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah, he, he may have dove a little bit. Okay, more than a little bit. Yeah. But after all was said and done, with only a minute and a half left... Carson Twarinski put the puck away on kind of a broken play. And that would be the game. That would be it. Final score 2-1 to one in favor of the Firebirds on what I thought was one of the better efforts from San Diego all season long. As I'm watching this game materialize right in front of me, I mentioned the forecheck. I mentioned the block shots were looking pretty competent. Dostal, he was on top of his game. The fact that most of those Firebirds shots just came from really good spots too. I mean, I will give all the credit in the world here. I thought the Firebirds played a great game. They always play a great game. San Diego did allow a few shots in the home plate area. But there was also a lot of shots allowed that were well outside of the zone. There were like pretty almost a dozen shots that were right in like that outer perimeter area, like right right by the boards. They were out there. Then that third period happened, and that's when we started to see the defense break down a little bit. More shots were being from the inside. And, you know, that's how it happens sometimes. Sometimes a team just runs out of gas. But it's a shame for San Diego. Because they could not get anything in front of the net. They were left to the outside of the home plate area. What can I tell you, folks? What what can I say? Totally winnable. It was, it was a shame they lost the way they did. But that's what happens. All right. We're going to head into the first intermission. I talked about that a little bit too long. So what we're going to do is we're going to head into the first intermission. Talk about that second game. I'll talk a little bit more about Chase DeLeo. Talk a little bit about the San Diego Goals Goals fans. We'll get to that on the other side. But first, let's talk about FanDuel. That is right. That is our new sports betting partner, FanDuel. And they're the new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America. 
And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better, because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. And if you download FanDuel now, you can bet on Super Bowl 57 between the Chiefs and the Eagles with a no-sweat first bet. That's right, you'll get up to 3000 bucks back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Once again, a no-sweat first bet, you get up to $3,000 back. So, join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and Locked On. And please gamble responsibly. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks. It's Goals Thursday. And as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, once again, I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez. And we're going to talk about that Saturday game. So the reason I kind of left something out from the previous segment was because I actually saw this happen on Saturday, not on Friday. So to confirm a report, Chase DeLeo is back skating. And he did take part in the morning skate at Coachella Valley on Saturday. He was out he was out there as well he should be and the way that new arena works and all the goals fans that went out there they kind of saw how this works. The Iceplex is directly adjacent to Acrosure Arena. In fact, it's part of the complex. Both the Iceplex and Acrosure Arena are all in one building. And it's kind of neat because if you sit in the club seats and you take the elevator, you can see the Iceplex from there. I I think it's really cool. That way, the Firebirds can have their morning skate on the arena ice and not have to overlap times with the goals. And the goals morning skate, you know, they, they like the Iceplex. You know, that ice is really good. It's also a new ice sheet. And out there was... Chase DeLeo, he was out of the desert. So, good to see Chase DeLeo uh, making a return. And we just found out that Chase DeLeo just took his first practice without the red non-contact jersey. Does that mean he's going to come back soon? Maybe. Maybe he comes back soon. Hopefully. Well, I say hopefully because... The goals have struggled without their captain. Chase DeLeo is the most important player on that goals team, and he hasn't played a whole lot. Now, San Diego does play Coachella Valley Friday night at Pechanga Arena. Now, unfortunately, I can't be at that game. But, oh boy. If they can get Chase DeLeo back, that would be huge. This also comes on the heel of some other news. This is related that Andrew Podorowski is going to miss the rest of the regular season. He just had surgery from a lower body injury. So Potts is going to be out about three months, three to four months. So that takes us into what? May, June. Podorowski could make a return if the Firebirds go deep in the playoffs. But they are going to miss his scoring greatly for the rest of this regular season. So without Paul Dorowski and possibly a Chase DeLeo return on Friday, I haven't heard anything that indicates he will be back. 
it sounds like he's still going to be a little bit. But the fact that Chase DeLeo is, in fact, on the way back, you know, reinforcements are finally coming back. Help is finally on the way. Yes, we cannot wait for this. It's going to be great. We're still about a week or two away. I I would say my best estimate, we're at least a week or two away. And is it too little too late for the goals? You know what? Never say never. You never know. Because the Pacific Division has been so bad that they're not entirely out of it. They're still only, only 15 points back from the Condors on that last playoff spot. If the goals can get on some kind of run, maybe win like 8 of 10, they could find themselves right back in the possible hunt. You never know. Especially if DeLeo comes back. So that's the update on that. As far as the game on Saturday, <laughs> uh, that was a stupid game, folks. That was a stupid game if you're a goals fan. They they just could not do anything. Now, it was Christopher Gibson in net for the Firebirds. But Lukas Dostal was back goaltending for that Saturday game. We all assumed it was going to be Ole Eriksson Ek because Dostal was also going to be taking part in the All-Star stuff. In fact, Dostal did have his bags with him. I will point out that Dostal was not with the goals right after the game. Dostal flew out that night along with the two Firebirds All-Stars, Max McCormick and Riker Evans. Like, they both had their crap with them. I can confirm this too, that they all had their bags and ready to go. So everyone was flying out pretty fairly quickly after the game, which also, by the way, is why the start time for this game was at 5 o'clock, not 6 or 6.30. It was a slightly earlier start, which is kind of cool. And the goals just could not do anything about the Firebirds. If it wasn't for Dostal, it could have easily been 6 nothing or 7 nothing, But instead, it was only 4 nothing. And Coachella Valley... They were, they were out. Like, they came out just guns a-blazing. And San Diego just came out flat. Austin Pagansky scored, then Max McCormick scored, then Jesper Froden scored. All before the first TV timeout. It was 3-0 pretty much right away, including that third goal was on a power play goal, thanks to a bad Holding penalty from Drew Hellison. Drew Hellison did not look good on this game. I think the only San Diego player that looked good on this game was Lukas Dostal, and that was it. After Max McCormick scored another power play goal, that was pretty much it. And Coachella Valley could relax. They could just kind of skate. In fact, that third period, a little bit boring. Not a whole lot happening in that third period, except for something that I have never called before in my professional career. In the third period, there was, um, well, actually, end of the second period, there was a gentlemanly fight (laughs) between Travis Howe and Ian McKinnon. Gentlemanly in that they both took off their lids and did it kind of just in a nice way. Like, here, I'll take mine off. All right, you take yours off. Like, it was just so gentlemanly. And when they both got into the box, I could hear both of them just kind of like, Going back and forth. I won't say what exactly was said. But you know it was just funny. Funny hearing both of them. Just kind of chat a little bit in the box. 
you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, what I also enjoyed, I had a little bit of a moment with Austin Strand. Those of you that were at the game, um, you probably heard why. But I will just say Austin Strand is still one of my favorite guys. You know, former Ontario Rain player. You know, I've seen Austin around from my time in Ontario, so I absolutely know who Austin Strand is. And, you know, he kind of like peered over on my end. Just a bit of a personal story there. But Austin Strand, all-around good guy. One of <laughs> one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, so if you were there, you know why. Yeah. But the call that made me just go crazy. <laughs> Evan Weinger and Matt Tennyson got into it a little bit. More than a little bit. Um, They tried to spear each other. They didn't connect. Neither of them did. So as soon as the ref goes to the booth, I hear uh, four and four, four minutes for attempting to spear. I'm like, wait, I need to hear that again. Attempting to spear? That's an actual rule? So I had to look, I actually had to go and look up the rules on this one. And it is in there. It is in the AHL rulebook that attempting to spear is a double minor. Hmm. Bet you didn't know that, did you? Yeah. So, you know, if you haven't seen it before, look it up. It's in the rules. Um, In fact, yeah, I'm not going to put it up on the screen. But I think I need to read this, you know, verbatim. Because this was just silly. In fact, it is... I'm pretty sure it's on section 6, which is... No, sorry. It is section 8, which is stick fouls. So this is according to the AHL rulebook. And I'm going to read this verbatim. Rule 62.2. Double minor penalty. A double minor penalty will be imposed on a player who spears an opponent... And does not make contact. That is exactly in the rule book as is. Rule 62.2. By the way, did you know that this is also applying for butt ending? Rule 58.2. A double minor penalty will be imposed on a player who attempts to butt end an opponent. So, in case you ever see that rule again, it is in there. If you attempt to spear or attempt to butt end, that's a double minor. So, yeah, one of the silliest things I've, you know, had to call, like actually say four minutes for attempting to spear. And I could see the look on the crowd. Everyone's going, what? That That's a thing? Like, did you just say that? And that was the number one thing that I was asked about after the game. Everybody was saying, okay, like, Talk to me about that rule. Like, isn't it like, yeah, I have to explain, you know, that was in there. And this is the part where I talk about the goals fans that were there. A group of dozens of San Diego fans made it out to both games at Acrisure Arena. And this is where I'm going to give my props. So to all you guys that I've known over the years, you know, I've, I've come to know a lot of these goals fans over the last three, four years, last four or five years. And have just enjoyed every bit of it. You know, love all the fans that come out there. I got to go out there a lot before the pandemic. I was out there a lot in 2018, 2019. All the Gulls fans came up to Ontario in 2020 before the pandemic. Got to hang with all the Gulls fans when I was out there for the 
little weird Pacific Division pandemic playoff against the Condors. I was out there, you know, just for a lot of these games. And there's and there's some of the best fans in the league. Uh, Sarah and I have both talked about this ad nauseum about just how great the goals fans are. And I know some of them do watch once in a while on Goals Thursday. So this is just kind of my thank you for all the support. And, you know, when I told them that I was the announcer the previous day, they're like, oh, man, that's so cool. Like, we'll definitely say hi. And, you know, I got to hear him say, like, thank you during the one minute call, which you all should do, by the way. You know, you got to be polite to your public address announcer, by the way. But just getting the support from all those guys, like, I could tell they were all super proud that I got the gig. And gosh, that that meant the world to me to hear that from all the goals fans. And also, I'll, I'll shout out Callen as well, the public address announcer for the San Diego goals. You know, he, he was happy for me, too. Like the whole, I guess, brotherhood in the AHL. It means that much to me that I've got to cover this and work for the AHL for a while. And to get to do this is just like a cherry on top. So to all the goals fans and also uh, Jeff Bush, you know, got to take a picture afterwards. You know, thanks a lot, Jeff. Thanks for all your support. And, you know, every other goals fan that even thanks myself. And Sarah Avampato, by the way, who's the right now temporary co-host of the Calder Farmstead, you know, we, we, we have fans, we have, we have a plethora of fans. So, you know, finally just want to say like all the goals fans that were out there when the buses leave, they're out there cheering their team on. And they were still out there chanting for both games to hear the let's go goals. Let's go firebirds back and forth for both games. I want more of that. Much, much more of that. Ah, And the number one question they asked me, as soon as I left to go visit them after the game, the the number one thing they asked, what the heck was that attempting to spear penalty? Like, I I swear to God, that was the first thing they asked. Like, okay, is that really a penalty? So I had to buzz out the rulebook. Like, yeah, like, I'll show it to you right here. I have the rulebook. Bam, there it is. (laughs) Oh, they're great. They're just great. All right, we're going to head into the second intermission. I got to talk about all-star stuff. I can't believe I haven't talked about all-star stuff yet. So we're going to take a quick timeout, talk all about all-star stuff, and you know I'll talk about that after the second intermission. Stay locked in. But now, a brief word from Built Bar, which is... A great tasting protein bar. If you haven't tried it yet, what are you waiting for? Built Bars are packed with 170, or sorry, 17 grams of protein and no more than 170 calories and only 4 grams of sugar. Talk about some great macros, guys. And also, new flavor alert, Maple Donut Built Puff. I would check that out if I were you. I'm probably going to buy this just amazingness probably after I finish recording here. No, I'll edit first, then I'll buy some Bilt Bars. But anyway, if you want to try them for yourself, head to your local Walmart or to your local Sam's Club, which is better than Costco, or you could check it out online at Bilt.com. 
Use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order of Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Welcome back to Locked On Gulls, which is under the umbrella of Locked On Anaheim Ducks, and that's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So I realized I have gone way long on this podcast. So this will kind of be like a super episode of Locked On Goals because I've had so much to talk about on those two games at Coachella Valley. Again, it meant a lot to have the Goals fans out there. Y'all are awesome. Okay. This is where I heap more praise on Lukas Dostal. You know, if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't have been a one-goal game on Friday's game. If it wasn't for Dostal, it would have been 6 nothing, 7 nothing. Immediately after that game, he was on his way to Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and take a short drive to Laval, Quebec, for the AHL All-Star Weekend. Now, I will say, the skills competition probably didn't go quite the way he wanted. I mean, he did give up a few goals. He was also maybe a little bit jet-lagged because they had just played a game the previous night. And then I see what time it is. You know, it's 3 o'clock Pacific time. The game ended at almost 8 o'clock Pacific time the previous day. So he had a 19-hour turnaround from the end of that game to the beginning of the skills contest in Laval, Quebec. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor, poor Dostal. Oh, man. But, you know, he did okay. He did okay. On that skills. My favorite part of that skills competition wasn't any of the previous rounds. It was the breakaway challenge. It was the last round where Lukas Dostal was, you know, making a few saves here and there and generally looked looked okay. He looked decent during that skills contest. And then he was actually, you know, part of one of my favorite moments of that entire Sunday. The whole the whole thing. Where he understood the assignment. I will say the fact that he was just, you know, going absolutely bananas when Dumont, Dumont's kid... For the Syracuse Crunch. Goes out there. Goes five hole on Lukas Dostal. And then does this. Yeah. That was cool. I talked about that on Monday's show. Just the fact that Dostal just kind of took the whole thing in stride. I thought was really cool. Then it was the All-Star game. The All-Star game itself on Monday was... One for the ages for Lukas Dostal. It was just highlight reel save after highlight reel save where he made great stop after great stop. Looking at the highlight reel now, there was just so many spectacular saves that he made on all night. Especially that game against the Atlantic where he had like a point blank save and also got an apple thanks to, I think it was a um, McCormick goal. No, that was Matt Phillips' goal. But Dostal with the apple on that. In fact, Dostal had two apples on that night. Looked really solid in net. 
And you could tell that Dolstal was just having fun. He was thrilled to be there, but he wanted to show everyone what he's made of. And that was on the game against Atlantic. That final, that final against, I think it was also against, um, no, that was against the Central. Because the Atlantic lost to Central in a long, long shootout. And I take it back, not the Central, it was the North Division. It was the North and the Atlantic. They were playing. It was tied. So they went to a long shootout, even though at the time it would have been decided just by a tie. But the fans were begging and the players were begging. No, we got to keep this going. So it went to round five, then six, then seven, then eight, then nine. Until finally, in the, I think it was the 11th round, the 11th round. Where the Atlantic Division moved on thanks to just a great shootout. Great moment for that that great all-star tournament. And Dostal played the second half of that championship game against the Atlantic and preserved the shutout with Dustin Wolf. The Pacific Division were victorious in all-star challenge at Laval. But even better, Lukash Dostal and Dustin Wolf were your co-MVPs of the All-Star game. That was like super deserved. Dostal was just on top of his game on that one. You know, I, I've always liked Lukash Dostal. Have for a long time. I have been heaping his praises for years. For him to get the co-MVP, I could tell he was thrilled thrilled to get that and this according to Sarah Avampato Wolf and Dostal combines to stop 42 of 49 shots over 46 minutes that is over one shot per minute so if it was a regular 60 minutes they both could have seen 65 shots and they stopped 42 of 49 in a 3 on 3 all-Star Tournament. Mwah. It's brilliant. That's effing brilliant. Dostal finally gets the recognition. Deserves all the awards. Congratulations to Dustin Wolf, But mostly congrats to Lukas Dostal on being an All-Star MVP. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Can you tell how much I love that? Like, that, that was just... It was the best. It it was the absolute best. Oh, man. Yeah, Dostal was brilliant. Stopping all those shots. In fact, I have to go back and look over the stats really quick on that. Because Dostal also played a little bit for the Central Division. Now, why is that? Why were they both... Why was Dostal playing for the Central? That was because there was a last-minute scratch. Like, very last minute for the All-Star festivities. And here's what happened. Yaroslav Askarov had to cut out due to family reasons. He was the All-Star representative for the Milwaukee Admirals. He could not make it. So was Jesper Wallstedt as the only goaltender for the Central Division. 
Dustin Wolf and Lukash Dostal both played for the Central Division because only three goalies. That's how that worked. So kind of neat that that happened. Also kind of weird that Dostal had to switch jerseys. But you know what? There are two Dostal All-Star jerseys out there somewhere <laughs> that has Dostal's name on it. You know, super weird, but also super cool in general. Uh, Dostal did not play that first game. Dustin Wolf gave up a couple of goals early on. Then in that second game, the second game was just really weird. Dostal um, allowed one goal for the Central. Maybe helping them out a little bit. (laughs) Who knows? But Dostal allowed a goal for the Central. I guess I I guess I can count that. Sure. And then the second game, Dostal got two goals allowed in a whopping 16 shots in only 10 minutes. Yeah, I think Dostal is used to seeing a high volume of shots. So he allowed only the three goals. And I believe that was it. And then even the game, the Pacific against the Central... Um, Dosa only allowed one goal. He was brilliant for this whole tournament. So, yeah. Gotta love Lukash Dostal. Alright, before we wrap up, a little bit of an Easter egg. You know, I'm I'm not going to leave the Easter egg, you know, unexplained. I, I may as well lean into it. So, this is the 10th anniversary of one of the stupidest things that I've ever seen. And if you follow my personal Twitter, at StimpyJD, you saw what happened 10 years ago. In Bakersfield, the old ECHL days, 10 years ago, the Condor was loose <laughs> in Bakersfield. This, that's what this is. If you've been watching, I have been moving this thing around all day long. This is this is Queen Victoria. The The Condor's name is Queen Victoria. I've met Queen Victoria. <laughs> nice bird. Nice bird. I've had the pleasure of meeting Victoria for whatever reason. And I have a little mini statue commemorating the Condor being unleashed in Bakersfield. This is 10, 10 years ago. I can't believe how long ago this was. It also plays a little bit of the audio. Yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> oh, still one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen in person. You know, I I always treasure this. I I proudly display this. So that was 10 years ago. <laughs> if you haven't seen the video, it's on my personal Twitter. Look it up. Look up uh Bakersfield Condor on the loose or Condor you know, goes into the Condor's bench. <laughs> it's hilarious, guys. All right, that's going to do it for this podcast. I'm going to put the Condor right here to finish off. Once again, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. Um, if you haven't already, make sure to hit that bell on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get, you know, content like me showing off the Condor over here. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter's at LO underscore Ducks. If you want to drop me a line, 
uh, maybe have a comment on the condor over here. You could email me at lockedonanaheimducks at gmail.com. I love getting those emails, so go ahead and send that in. And once again, thank you all for your continued support. It is so greatly appreciated. And I'll have more Lukash Dostal talk tomorrow. Hmm, a little preview for that. In the meantime, for Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the evening or day. Please remember to be safe out there. Please be kind to one another and ducks and gulls and firebirds and condors all fly together. Oh,